This month on the Interplanetary Podcast. We're going to talk about Tim Peake's land back on Earth. Welcome back to you. We're going to talk about Juno and its successful orbit into Jupiter. Elon Musk's trip to Mars. Uh-huh. I know that's something. Yeah, yes, very planned trip to Mars. 3,600 tonnes of rocket and about 50 tonnes of payload. So that's over 30 satellites. We're going to be talking about uh, Lunar Mission 1. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Welcome to podcast number four. Four. Here we go. Your face. Putting the ace back into space. We can't have too many catchphrases, Matthew. Choose one, please. No, I've got another one. Here we go. Which is... uh, down-to-earth banter about out-of-this-world stuff. My only problem <laughs> no, with right, that, is it? No, my only problem uh, is the word banter. Okay. It just makes me think of two people down the pub. A bit of space banter on a Wednesday night. Yeah, that were too many banters. Okay, too, many, too much banter. Let's, let's move on. Still haven't had any suggestions. I was hoping that someone was going to write a good one. Yeah, in. come on, guys. So uh, It's been a busy, uh, been God, a busy June, month. June was proper busy, Jamie. I'm going to go quickly through... Um, some of the rockets that took off. Let's hear it. So the first part, the first part of June, we had a rocket. It's only a small little rocket that yeah. the Russians have that okay. puts up little sort of small satellites into low Earth orbit. Oh, and then yeah. we've got uh, straight after that was a proton, mm-hmm. a proton rocket, which of course is one of the mainstays of the Russian kind of uh, uh, technology. And it, that put a, 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 a Intel sat up into uh, orbit. The second stage didn't burn for long enough, but. Uh, can you remember what came to the rescue here, Jamie? Go on. It was the Breeze M. Oh, oh yes. So the Breeze oh, M. I was hoping literally BM would come up. Yeah, literally compensated for the uh, for the bit of a poor performance of the second stage of the, of the Proton, and was able to uh, put the satellite into the correct orbit, etc., etc. So yes, a, a win-win for Breeze M again. Tell you what, saves the day or what? But the really exciting one that I've been literally. You've been. The, I, yeah. I was. I was literally so excited, yeah. and I watched it with my kids, and we were. Oh, it's brilliant, listeners. If what? you had seen, <laughs> I mean, the the enthusiasm that beamed through Facebook when this happened. Yeah, on, Matt, yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. Us so about it. Is the uh, June the eleventh the Delta Four Heavy, <whistles> which is currently the most powerful launch system in the world, and it launched a top secret. Satellite into space, the Enrol Enrol thirty seven. Oh yeah, which has quite a scary kind of mission patch, which is like a sort of black knight with a big sword. Yeah, all very emblematic of stuff. So let's have some Delta Four heavy launch stats to get into to get its satellite up into orbit. Takes two hundred and twenty million calories. Sounds like a lot. Which I think is the same amount of calories that the rock has per week to get into shape. How many Mars bars is that? It's quite a few, isn't it? 483,500 gallons of fuel. That's a few swimming pools. I hope he he took his nectar card. Uh, 2.2 million pounds of thrust. No jokes. No jokes. Moving on. Three tonnes of fuel a second. Let's just compute that for a second. Three hundred tons of fuel per. No, second. no, no. 
Three tons of fuel. Three tons. Tons of fuel per. Oh, well, it doesn't sound that much. <laughs> no, 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 now, now, I'm not now you've now you've ruined it. Oh. With your, uh, and uh, so that's the same thrust as fifteen Boeing seven eight sevens. So as I was talking to Jerry last month on the podcast, we were talking about the turbo pump, and the turbo pump is a bit inside the rocket engine that pumps the fuel to burn. So right, so the fuel has to get pumped in because it's using so much as well, well it's using three tons of fuel a yeah. second right so there has to be a pump that pumps that mm-hmm. and the pump that pumps it in the rs68 engine mm. delivers more horsepower than 16 locomotives so the actual just the turbo pump itself is like having 16 trains <laughs> pumping yeah, fuel. that's insane. That is insane, isn't it? So the, 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 these are like giant motors in themselves. And yet, Southwest Trains can't do one. No, I, t- I tell you what, I'll get Southwest Trains. Re- remind me to talk about Southwest okay. Trains because because there's a, there's a link, there's a link a bit later on. Okay. So anyway, Delta Four launch, super super interesting. What I, re- what I really like about it as well is that there's been loads of satellite geeks who've been tracking the Enrol Thirty Seven satellite, which by the way. I think has uh, uh, something like a hundred meter diameter solar array or something, mm. and then uh, straight after Delta Four, we had a, a, a Long March Three C from Beidou in China, mm-hmm. launching some military stuff, no doubt. Sure. Um, and then straight after that, we had a Falcon Nine mm-hmm. uh, launching a Utelsat. Now, poor old Musk didn't repeat May's uh, fantastic uh, uh, bunch of achievements because uh, when the dragon was coming down... Not the dragon. I keep saying dragon. It's the falcon. Falcon. When the falcon's coming down, didn't quite have enough oxidizer and uh, smashed into the barge. Ouch. And uh, came back into the harbour as a crumpled mess. Mm. So uh, do you know what Elon Musk and his friends call those kind of crashes go on they're called ruds 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 any reason yes it's it stands for um rapid unplanned uh deconstruction (laughs) 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 rapid unplanned podcast i know that would be a a rup rup. a rup we've had a rup joke we've We've had a rup jamie rapid unscheduled disassembly that's what it stands for it's rolled off the tongue or the Americans would call it rapid, unscheduled disassembly. Yeah, that's true. Which, which Wrongly. Is. Straight after the Falcon 9, we had Ariane 5 launch, oh. a European one. And that launched two, not one, but two massive satellites. And I, I believe that was Ariane's largest ever payload that it's managed to get up mm. into space. Mm. Go on the Europe. And, and I watched that one as well, and that was, uh, that was pretty goddamn exciting. Uh, and that was on the same day as Tim Peake coming back down to Earth. So I think... Oh, uh, yeah. That a uh, I, I saw a photo of Tim uh, on his Instagram account about an hour ago with his first jog since he's come back down to Earth. And well, uh, he was jogging through some woods. Well, I believe you can, you can actually take part in the same exercises that he has to do to get back to shape. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a special um, challenge. It's one of the... Prince of Pia challenges, I believe. Must be pretty hardcore. Well, I think it is pretty hardcore. Uh, straight after the Ariane 5 launch was an Indian rocket carrying Cartasat. And not, not just one satellite, but how many satellites do you think that the Indians managed to uh, launch on June the 21st? Oh, I'd say three. 
three. Yeah. 20. Wow. 20. So they, so they actually managed to launch 20 satellites, and all of them got into the desired orbits as well. So it was a massive achievement for their, work, PS, their PSLV rocket. Wow. What, what's the biggest amount of satellites? Well, I think that might be it. I think, that, I, I think that might be it. I think that's the most Record breakers! So well done, India, for that one. And then Atlas V launched a, a, a satellite, MUOS 5. And that is where my Southwest trains Here we in. go. So I saw a picture of someone who was flying on Southwest planes. Nice. Now, Southwest planes have got the same colour as Southwest trains. What, what's that about? Same company? Same, I, I don't know. They haven't, but they've got the same colouring and everything. Mm. Same logo, almost. But uh, So you can see the tip of the wing coming out, and he's looking down on the launch pad of this Atlas V taking off. You go, what? That's insane. It is insane. It's the best picture I've Actually, I've on. flown with Southwest Airlines, and I believe it is an American, uh, yeah, in, in, domestic in, airline. Internal flight airline, yeah. that's correct. Uh, yeah. I believe I flew from Los Angeles to San Francisco. I flew from Oklahoma to Dallas. Are we having a fly-off? Yeah, I think so. How many satellites did you... Uh, how many satellites did I see? I saw none. So Matt, just going back to Tim Peake, I just pulled up that picture of him on Instagram. His comment was, fresh air, green trees and sunshine. Great to be enjoying my first outdoor run today since the landing. He really did go on about the fact that the weather, quoting any weather, was amazing. The smells... Just weather in itself was great to have. Do you know that. what? I, one of the things that he did just after he landed, he um, he tweeted, he retweeted a link that had been sent to him by his old school where they're singing a song about Tim Peake. Really? But they hadn't had permission to use the song. Right. <laughs> so they'd put in the um, YouTube clip, please, please do not share... Uh, uh, except with people that you know. <laughs> and of course, Tim Peake, the first thing he does is share it. And it's like, he's quite famous now, so that's yeah. probably gone to everyone. Yes. So that was quite funny. And also, Jerry Stone, who featured on last month's podcast, oh, yes. baked uh, Tim Peake a cake and Tim Peake retweeted it. Oh, was nice. Nice. Two more launches there, right at the end of the month, which I thought was going to be the last one, was Long March 7. Mm-hmm. Now, Long March 7 was a brand new rocket from the Chinese. Mm. And not only was it a brand new cho- rocket from the Chinese, but from a brand new launch complex. On board of that are quite a few interesting things. Mm. So one of the interesting things was a scaled model of their um, crew vehicle that they planned yeah. to use to go to the moon and things like that. Nice. And that flew off and then came down in Mongolia. And, I th- and one thing that's really funny is to look at the pictures of the Mongolian rescue people who go out and sort of <laughs> go to the capsule... Comp- uh, the, the 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 Chinese people that went yeah. in their in their bright orange uniforms and everything. Yeah. Compared to the Russian ones that went and got Tim Peake and his and his yes. crewmates from the Soyuz, I think that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, it they sort of all turn up. They're like rolling it over. It, it just looks like kind a, of casual, didn't it? <laughs> it looked it looked so unspace age. It looked like someone's drunk mates had found them first. <laughs> it was. It was like a bunch of. It was like a bunch of Russian builders. Yeah, and they've. What's funny about them? They've all got like a bit of a paunch. Oh, well, the, the, you know, you know, mate, you're not stereotyping Russian builders, are you? I'm not. I'm not. But uh, I am stereotyping the Russians that went. It was just funny <laughs> that they were sort of rolling it and then yeah. sort of. Uh, it, was, it was. It just. And but then, in comparison with the Chinese, when they sort of went and collected their. 
who wasn't even carrying people and they're, they're all in uniform and yeah, they've put course. a little flag by the side of it in the Mongolian desert. Yeah, of course. Pretty cool. But another thing that was on that uh, same, uh, on the Long March 7, was a satellite that's capable of pulling debris out of, so it's designed to sort of, it's got a little arm on it mm. that can pull debris out of orbit. Okay. But people think, ooh, maybe it's not that at all. Maybe it can attack other satellites. Uh-huh. So it's okay. uh, so, so some of the cargo on that uh, Long March 7 could have militarised space somewhat. Which is so, there's, so there's quite a lot of con- controversy about yeah. what's in there. And I believe also they had a satellite that actually uh, did some refuelling of other satellites. Mm. So it went and refuelled another satellite. So that's pretty ex- exciting stuff. Oh, you brought up... A- about the arm that could attack. Are there laws about what you can and yes. can't send into space yeah, in yeah. terms of stuff being threatening to That's, whoever may be on the other end of that? Yeah, there is there is international laws and, and actually there's quite a few bodies that sort of have these sort of that, that write the space laws. In fact there was a there was an update to the laws on the International Space Station as well quite recently hmm. about how the command works. But yeah, there's international treaties about using space. It's supposed to be purely for people. Uh, so peace. before a rocket goes up, they would have to be an external body that would come in to check everything that was going to be sent up. Yeah, it kind of has to clear it because, because of course, you can if you if you just are there sending any old thing up mm. and not even looking at the kind of route it's yeah, going to take, course. you could smash down other people's satellites for a start. Yeah, that's true. So don't do that at home. No, that's a, bit, that's, a, that's a dull one. What's up next? Uh, and then right at the end, a little surprise launch by a, a Long March 4B of a military One satellite. of my favourite Long Marches. Well, do you know why they're called Long Marches, by the way? No. Ah. So the long, the long March is when the Chinese army were trapped and they had to do a very, very long march. <laughs> and that's just genuinely, it's named <laughs> after the long march that the Chinese army had to do to, Interesting. to get out of where they were trapped. Wow. What would you call a rocket? The Matt Russell trip to space. I'd fly on it. The MRT. <laughs> the MRTTS. Yeah. The Matt Russell trip to space. Oh, that sounds I good. I like it. Cool. Uh, so anyway, that's that's the that's the launches. Nice. So uh, I'll tell you what was a really ace news article. Go on. Going back to our very first podcast about Lisa Pathfinder. Yeah. So Lisa, what's she up to? Well, Lisa Pathfinder has been demonstrating technologies out in space. Yeah, she has. She has. And the te- technology she's trying to demonstrate is that you can actually set up a gravity detector in space. What? So she's been doing that for the few months that we since since our last podcast. How's she been getting on? Well, she's performed so well, five times better than they than's needed, basically. Wow. Uh, so it was a total success. Amazing. And that sort of news came at the same time that, of course, they made the second gravity waves detection mm. at LIGO. Yeah, I did read about the propulsion system. Mm. The, this little propulsion system has the same thrust as a housefly. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So obviously, it's whatever the, the whatever the form of propulsion it isn't mm. much, but it's enough to sort of get it into position. And yeah, who needs your sixteen locomotive <laughs> engines? Well, that's just yeah. the pump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The millions of pounds of thrust. Yeah. I suppose there's a difference between getting something off the earth. And once you're in space, it's like, yeah, it's, it's easy. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than Elon Musk's bit of a kind of damp squib when it comes to landing on rockets, what uh, what did he, uh, what's he been up to? Oh, let me tell you. 
Can I reel off some stats to you? Yeah, please? reel off some stats. All right, here we go. So, our favourite man, the Musk, um, has basically come out in a news conference and said that he plans to uh, have a manned mission to Mars uh, by 2025. So, how he wants to go about that is... 25 or 24? 20, well, de- leaving on 24, but oh. arriving on 25. Oh, right, okay. Because as you know, Matthew, it takes a month. I thought I was going to have to do some editing. No. But it turns out you were no, right. No, no, right. I'm totally right. So, um, yeah, 2018... <laughs> uh, so, I presume 24 is a, a launch window. Correct. And it yeah. just so happens that, that by the time they get there, it'll be 25. Correct. Okay. So... Uh, 2018, he wants to start with the unmanned spaceship to Mars. Which is the Red Dragon. Which is the Red Dragon. We and then, last time, really. And then every two years, when obviously it's in its closest orbit with Earth, and then 2025 man mission, and how he plans to do that. I mean, it's incredible. 140 million miles away from Earth. So, of course, if there's a problem, it's a massive problem because of the time it takes for you to get there. He said he wants to, and I quote, create a regular cargo route. Yeah, well, what I really like about this is that he calls this a colonisation ship, is that right? I can tell you exactly what he calls it. A Mars Colonial Transporter. Oh, yes, Mars Colonial Transporter, that's it. Yes. MCT. Um, And he said that in September he's going to announce full details of that, and he can't now, but he's almost too excited not to. But he has stopped. (laughs) And he said, and I quote, this will be mind-blowing. Which, I mean, no doubt, right? So he said that it's not about sending a few people to Mars. It's about having an architecture that would enable the creation of a self-sustaining city on Mars. I mean, that is phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. I mean, It's, it's quite a sentence, isn't it? I t- well, I'll tell you what, because uh, I've been reading Elon Musk's book, and one of the sort of really kind of standout bits in it is that once he gets an idea in his head, he actually always has followed it through. So he's, he's, he's never actually failed on anything that he mm. said. He always gives totally ridiculous um, time frames for stuff. Yeah. And he was saying that when he originally doing these, when he first started SpaceX, everyone sort of laughed at his timescales, but he thought that they were realistic. He always sets very, very difficult ones and knew he was setting difficult ones, but he didn't realise how preposterous and and Mm. his excuse is that he didn't really know anything about the space industry, which he didn't. But the amazing thing about Musk is he reads books and, and he just basically yeah. went and got all the seminal books, read them back to cover, cover to cover, and he can absorb information, like just absolutely absorb yeah. it. He hires all the best people, obviously, and he sort of collars them in the middle of corridors and basically brain drains them. So he quizzes them, and at first they think, oh, he's, he's just trying to catch me out. But then they realise he's not. He's, he's, he's basically, basically learning everything. He wants to know 90% of what his space expert knows. Mm. And that's what he's been doing. So this, this guy is like, he has this formidable knowledge that no one knows more about the space industry and getting and he's space. only been doing it for 14 years yeah than Musk and it's like literally and that's something I didn't realise I just thought he was a really shrewd businessman and a clever guy obviously but I, I had no idea these kind of the, the intellectual endeavour is actually mm. quite phenomenal he has wow. a, it's a certain so he's never that's really interesting he's never not accomplished an idea he's had well I mean he's always he's always gone for it and it's here's a, one for you Elon I bet you can't give me a million pounds by next year oh yeah but I, I can't. Maybe it's something he doesn't want to achieve. Yeah, this is a bit like Inception. Ah, oh, who needs What money? we need to do is nest down, sort of four dream states down, 
and put that idea into yeah, yeah, that's what exactly what we need to do. <laughs> right, yes. Write in if you know how to. <laughs> okay. If you're, if you're able to incept. So a few more stats for you. Mm. Um, NASA have said come out and said that they uh, will help with technical advice, mm. but not financial. Mm. Um, because, of course, they hope to do the same in the 2030s. Yeah, I mean, yeah the, I mean, this so. is... See, this is the thing that I'm finding a bit curious, is that really one of the sort of big discussions going on at, at the moment is NASA's SLS that we mentioned earlier yeah. with the uh, Space Launch System. That's first flying in 2018. Mm-hmm. So it's it's on its way. Yeah. But one of the problems is it might be a rocket that has no market. You know, as in, so they're trying to think of things to do. And always, originally, it was to get to Mars. But really, they're kind of thinking, well, we're not going to have enough trips. There's not not, not really enough things to do to justify having this massive rocket, of which we have to have several launches a year to make yeah. it financially viable. Yeah. And everyone's a little, little bit disappointed. So the argument now is raging about this, this thing called ARM of whether they should do it or not, whether they should just abandon that project and sort of go to the moon and make the moon a priority again, yeah. which a lot of people are, are sort of advocating, but obviously not Musk, because Musk is just... He's not oh, talking about the moon at no, all, is he? Well, we've done the moon. We've done the moon. Let's go to Mars. So, Colonise Mars. So, yeah, so he's yeah. Kind, what he's kind of doing is putting a, a whole new argument out there about let's just go straight to Mars. Mm. Let's just do it. Absolutely. Well... Here's a few more. Here's a few more final stats for you. Uh, so the SpaceX 2018 trip would use the Dragon spacecraft, boosted by how, uh, Falcon Heavy, which would be a massive rocket powered by 27 first stage engines, which would at its time be the most powerful rocket in the world times two. But check this out: five million pounds of thrust at liftoff, 18 times. The 747 plane. <laughs> now, 43 robotic missions to Mars have happened so far. How many would you say have been a success? And this is four different countries attempting those 43. Uh, eight, how many missions? 43 so far, over four different countries. It's very, very few. I know that Russia have had an absolute disaster going to Mars. Virtually everything they've done has failed. So it's 18 18 out of those 43 have been success. So he knows that it's very, very dangerous and, and lots of room for failure. He's actually come out and said that, of course, it's dangerous and people are probably going to die. These people who go up there, he said, know that. And they're going to be paving the way for an ultimately safe trip to Mars when we colonise it. Mm. Sorry, when we... Colonise? <laughs> Is that, that multiple colonisations? When we colonise Mars. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. New space And movement. also Musk is saying that, of course, as soon as they go to Mars, and they've done it a few times, he said, I think on the 2022 launch will be, and I don't know why he specifically said then, but he said then pe- so many people will be um, on board trying to push their um, experiments um, that they want to happen on Mars. They want uh, they're going to want us to take it up there. So he he's saying it won't happen straight away, but we'll do it on our own. Hmm. Um, and when people realise that it will be an easier thing to do, they'll climb aboard. And everything he's done, he's he's done to make it more space age. It's like no, this is old. Let's make let's do something more yeah. space age. So he's massive touch screens in the in the dragon capsule instead of like clunky switches you know yeah. it's like 
it actually looks like something from the space age <laughs> rather yeah. than something from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. It looks like something from a new space age. And remember, we've got Alan Bond in this country doing um, reaction engines and Skylon. Yeah, it's not all about you, Musk. No, uh, and it's a pity, really, because obviously he doesn't have the same charisma or the same money that Musk does. See, what he's really done is... is brought a Silicon Valley tech company startup mentality hmm. to both the space race and to the electric car race. He's beating countries at their own game when it comes to launching vehicles into space. He's beating the enormous car companies at, at, their, at their game by releasing the first proper electric car. He's onto something, that, that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. But is he onto something or is it all just a computer game of which I'm <laughs> Whoever's controlling me, can you just sort a few things out, please? <laughs> yeah. Well, Jamie, your computer switched off. Jamie. What's been going on? Well, I'll tell you what has been going on. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. You mentioned it earlier. But Tim Peake's return to Earth. I really did enjoy it, actually. I Amazing. Really, I really enjoyed it. And great it. to see him back safely. Welcome back, Sir Tim. Yes, I mean, they're all... I'm calling him Sir Tim. I can't <laughs> he believe should he be. wasn't. He should be Sir Tim, shouldn't he? But the... I did enjoy... Yeah, I enjoyed everything about it. I enjoyed getting up and watching the the uh, Soyuz leave the space station. Mm. I really, really liked the shot of it leaving. And then there was a few brilliant photos as it sort of looked like it was travelling towards the moon. Yeah. Oh, that was incredible. That was, in, that was brilliant. Absolutely incredible. And Do you think when he got home, for, it was just that moment of no cameras in the face. I mean, imagine how knackered you are and you've come out the rocket, you're back on Earth, you're experiencing gravity again. And people are saying, how are you feeling, Tim? You know? <laughs> I know. I mean, it what must be you... so nice just to get home with his family, have some oh. pizza and a beer, as he said, well, I and thought... just have no one there. i tell you what was really good. when After the burly Russians had rolled the uh, capsule into the yeah. right position, polishing the uh, front of the uh, Soyuz yes. so we can unscrew it like a little bottle lid. Mm-hmm. And then they seem to sort of spend the next five minutes passing things out to this guy who's sort of like almost like shouting in through the hole, come on, give it to you. Uh, and, and I could just about see the, the uh, Union flag yes. on the side of uh, yes. Tim's arm. I thought, oh my God, he must be so... Imagine how excited it would be to, to be back on, actually back on the ground. Of course. But what uh, Tim Peake said that I thought was brilliant was the fact that it's really exciting when it, as, yeah. as you come down, because you really hear the explosion. Yeah, the explosion went, yeah. Because, yeah, because obviously the Soyuz is in three bits, mm. and the the bit in the middle is the only bit that doesn't burn up in the burn up in the atmosphere. Yeah. So uh, he was saying how exciting it was. It was literally in your ear, these exploding bolts as the bits of the thing come apart. Yeah. And then you're hurtling towards the, the uh, ground. Absolutely. And there's quite a bit of flying going on, you know. So, right. they, so they're, they're, you know, they are adjusting their course mm. to a to stop bits of the capsule uh, getting too hot, but yeah. also so they're landing in the right place as well to alter their position where they're landing. Which yeah. Is, so, so there's there's actually some flying going on, which presumably was by Yuri Malenchenko. Yes, we we should mention the other two because it has been all about Tim Peak. However. There's Notable Tim, mentions for Tim Kopra and Yuri Malenchenko. And Absolutely, this is Yuri Malenchenko's third time coming down. He's old hat. So, for, so for yeah, him, it's, yeah, it's just catwalk <laughs> to him now. <laughs> it was quite funny their faces when they're sort of sitting there. He did Yuri did look a bit uh, more chilled than the other two. Yeah, 
what I thought was really funny is that just they just looked like someone had invaded their picnic. So sort of three of them all sat <laughs> yeah. in picnic chairs, yeah. sort of sitting there in the in the sun. Cocktail sausage, <laughs> and then suddenly they're surrounded by um, Russian builders. Yeah, so it's like, I probably thought they were going to be mugged for their chutney or something. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, oh, just as he was leaving, what did Tim Peake say? Oh, I don't know. Time to put on some weight. Ah, there we go. Yes, yeah. so now I know he mentioned the pizza and the beer. What's the first thing that you're looking forward to? They said, yeah, pizza and beer, which we've had both tonight, Matt. Oh, we have. Yeah, we have. We have had, Jim, we have. Yeah, we're, we're on the same. Basically, so vis a vis, we're quite like Tim. We are, well, I'm, I'm separated at birth. Yeah. I'm the same age as Tim Peake. Adjusting to being back on earth mm. is what? Oh, I don't know the quote. Hit me with it. Worst, world's worst hangover. Oh, yes. Oh, I bet yes. it was a nightmare. But using a normal toilet and appreciating weather. Anywhere, Any yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that's really quite cool. A normal toilet, yeah, you forget oh. these small things, yeah. I Wouldn't mean, that'd be lovely. I mean, even when I go on holiday and I don't have a British toilet, I get upset, yeah, you do, yeah. Do you reckon that Tim's gone to the toilet and probably taken some headphones and been listening to the podcast? I think so, yeah. I, I mean, think. it's definitely what he would want after being in space for six months, absolutely. He'd want more ch- space chat. <laughs> <laughs> If he's listening, what would you say to him? I'd say, well done, Tim. Well done, I think Tim. your crowning achievement is to get loads and loads and loads of children, interested, children yeah. interested in space. Amazing. Who else do you think came down with those three astronauts? Who else? Yeah. What other Earthlings? Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, apparently 150 other organisms that had been on a special uh, uh, mission... Had, that had been on the outside of the space station. They were also it was one of the science experiments that were brought back down to. Uh, I'm back baffled. To, yeah. Was he growing some wild rocket? <laughs> See what I did. <laughs> but what were the seeds? They were rocket seeds. Right? Oh, I don't know. Well, must be. I think they were. I think they were rocket seeds. If he they're took, not, if he didn't grow rocket, he took in two a rocket. packets of seeds. He, he had two packets of seeds and he took one into space, and, and then they're going to grow them and see if it's made any difference. Hmm. Jerry actually was on Sky News. Holding the two packets of seeds. Ah, good on you, Jerry. Yeah, yeah well done. Uh, interesting. Quite quite a few members of the BIS were on telly over that period. Uh, well, the, the Unlike Gove, oh, we I'd... quite like experts. <laughs> we trust. Them. Oh yeah, no, actually, that is sorry. True. It's we're, too that, we're, we're not going to mention. Let's not mention. I tell you what, we're not going to mention Brexit. Other than uh, oh, you're e- mentioning it. Yeah, other than the fact that ESA isn't anything to do with the European Union. It's a completely different Thank body. Goodness. So even though Tim Peake was a European uh, astronaut under ESA, it's a completely different uh, So we don't need to worry about that. So we that. don't have to worry about that at the moment. So we're, we're, we're absolutely fine under, under that. So we're, we're, we're going to brush over Brexit. We still love you, Europe. One of the things that I thought was really cool... Actually, I want, I'll say one go. thing. There was one tweet... Uh, by a BIS friend called Vic Southgate. Oh, love Vic. And she, on? yeah, and she basically said that we. She came up with the idea that the capsule, yeah, should be brought back to the Science Museum in London That's, and kept there. That is an amazing. And idea. I instantly jumped on this and suggested this would be a, a, a BIS campaign. Absolutely. And I, and I, th- I just think it'd be a brilliant one. I, th- I ge- genuinely think, obviously, the first uh, official British. Where do they go? Where would it well, be now? 
It might go. It, it, they definitely go to museums, and because the cosmonaut exhibition at the science museum had three or four um, capsules mm. in it, and they were really brilliant. It was the highlight for me of the of the of the exhibition because mm. you could you could look at them and, and see all the burn marks, and it's just it was an incredible thing to see. Yeah. You go that has been in space and has come back through the atmosphere, yeah. <laughs> holding human beings, and not just human beings, some of the famous human yeah. beings. Uh, you know, so it's 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 they're really cool objects, and yeah. I just think that that be a, that's a brilliant little um, that's a brilliant campaign. Isn't Absolutely, it? I'm all for it. What do we need to do? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a listener out there will. What do we think, need to do? Do we need to sign a petition? Do we need to? I think we just need to start to break in. Uh, no, we we can't break in anywhere. Maybe we need to invade Russia. That sounds easy. It sounds easy. Isn't yeah. It? Right, we'll do that. David Shookman, who was the BBC correspondent, Shookers. tweeted about uh, touching the warm capsule, and I was thinking, oh, that's such an ace thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I was thinking, they let mere mortals touch the thing, as it's still warm on the ground after being through the atmosphere. No offence to him. No offence to him, but he's not, you know, <laughs> he's not a big burly Russian capsule who is mover, is yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. Is mover a word? I think mover <laughs> is the correct. It is, that, that's what they're called. Yeah. It's the Russian for someone who moves an object. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So what else happened? So the day after Tim Peake landed, and mm. Arian five. The day after Tim Peake landed, and Arian five put ten tons of satellite into space. Yeah. In its heaviest mission to date, and by the way, that's the seventy sec. The seventy second successful flight of an Ariane 5 really unbelievable knocking them out of the park that is knocking them out of the park it's reliable is the word for yeah. that particular space launch system so um, June the 19th uh, Blue Origin after a delay from the leaking o- O-ring have done it again and launched and landed their reusable rocket mm. uh, and for the fourth time mm-hmm and it does look really routine for them. They can sort of just roll it out, around, fly it up, yeah. come back down. It did actually have some science, yeah, some small science experiment on there. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and in the, and uh, Bezos has won the Heinlein Prize for Commercial Space Award for his efforts to develop a sub-orbital launch work, vehicle. Jeff. He's the third person to win it. Great. Uh, and it's named after science fiction. Robert A. Heinlein. Ah. Yeah. Tell you what we could talk about. is something that I was involved in. So I gave my first talk at the uh, British Interplanetary Society. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the talk was about Lunar Mission 1. And should you check this mission out? It's a British-led, yeah. internationally funded mission to send a uh, spacecraft to the moon to land in the polar region. Wow. And drill a massively deep hole, 100 metres, mm. 100 metres. I mean, it's hard enough on Earth, let alone yeah. on another celestial body. Yeah. And they're going to drill 100 metres down. And uh, the science from that is going to be incredibly interesting because uh, once you're down into the moon, because there's no kind of uh, geology going on, mm. you kind of can see what the early solar system was like and yeah. have some really good pointers about what it was like and therefore the origin of... Of, of us of course so so it's a really interesting science experiment but it does leave a massive hole now this massive hole then is going to be filled with a 
a kind of a doomsday um, repository of about all of mankind and the environment and everything that we oh, do. Oh wow! Okay. So it's like it, it, it's it's a time, time capsule. capsule, and they're going to put this in the bottom of the hole. Now, this time capsule is designed to last one billion years. <laughs> now, take yeah. that pinky away yeah. from your mouth. <laughs> so it's lasted a billion years. It's got to last a billion years, and they've so they've done the science of this and and. There's going to be pe- people's hair is going to be in there with their mm. DNA, so you can pay to have a piece of hair in there. Wow! So that you, you're, that you and your information about you can last a billion years for a future civilization to find. Could we put the podcast in there? Well, I think well, I think the podcast will well, undoubtedly will, it it undou- will undoubtedly go in. They'll probably call us. So my bit of it is is to come to help, and what what, what I'm going to do is is leading the British Interplanetary Society. Is to is to start everyone thinking about how we're going to signpost this uh, repository okay. of all mankind, this time capsule. What's the consensus? Well, it's I tell you what. It's so it's called the fourth sign. So this mm-hmm. thing's got a lovely name, quite uh, Arthur C. Clarke, and I yeah. think. And the fourth sign, very bit more the Sentinel, really, hmm. by Arthur C. Clarke. And the fourth sign, basically, if you were an alien civilization. Like we do, we look, we try, we're looking for stars like our sun that have habitable, but might be able to have habitable planets. Yeah. So they're looking out for those stars, and they'll they'll find the sun, and they'll go, "Oh, there's an interesting star that's that might have some planets." Yeah. So they'll look closer at that. So that's the first sign. They'll look closer yeah. at that, and they'll see that the Earth. That's the second sign. Because they'll see the atmosphere and go, whoa, the atmosphere on Earth is crazy likely to have life on it. Yeah. So they're going to go, right, let's launch an expedition. So they're going to come in their interstellar spacecraft, maybe a bit like the Daedalus or, uh-huh. or Icarus. Cool. And that will fly over and then they'll find, oh, no, all of humankind's disappeared. Oh. With their, they've become extinct. Maybe a billion years' time is very unlikely that we're still going to be around unless Elon Musk has got us all over on that's Mars. True. So anyway, so we, so we, we've, we've, so that's the second sign is the, is the Earth. Now, they'll look up and see the moon and go, that's obviously a very important aspect of the Earth. Mm. You know, it, it, important. So they'll we wouldn't know, be here without it. No, well, it's very, you know, it, it has a, a big part to play on life on Earth, etc. No et surfers, that's for sure. No, exactly. Sorry, and, Andy Buse. Yeah, the moon gives us quite a bit. So And so the third sign is the moon. Now... The BIS and uh, I've got to help the the world come up with the fourth sign. So mm. so really, it's a mission to sort of put the word out there and say, how do we build a fourth sign that points to this thing buried in the ground? See, that's an interesting question because obviously, an arrow in our world means look here. I oh, know, absolutely, but not in another world, no. probably. Probably doesn't even if you went and definitely visited, even if you went and visited tribes in the Amazon who've never sort of you know had no external influence. Absolutely, they'd probably go. Well, what does this arrow mean? What does Absolutely. it even mean? What are you even talking about a repository? Yeah. So it's like so it's 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 absolutely so one of the problems you is couldn't that, have a hand pointing this way because what is a hand you but not only that whatever you build whatever whatever is whatever the solution is it has to last a billion years now so this is the problem so one of the reasons. One of the hardest things is to try not to think of the solution yourself, because the real the, the the trick for me is to go out into the world and and come up with a system where the world comes up with the answer. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. 
You no, sound it's like... not. I've just worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, unfortunately, yeah, you, you've so done. It's it, a so. diamond post. Well, don't, going into the ground. Don't, that's it. don't tell me about it because what I want to do is is come up with a sort of Google X Prize mm. where it will be a billion pounds. So you and me, we, because we we heard about it first, we're going to come up with the answer. Yeah. You you then submit that answer once the prize money's there, mm. and then we'll share it. Okay. Cool. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah so that, that's that one. Do you think we'll still do this podcast where we're multi-millionaires? I think we'll just we'll just turn it into a weekly podcast. Yeah, probably because we'll have more time. We'll quit our jobs. Oh yes. Yeah. We could start our own space company. Oh, watch out, Elon. <laughs> I'm so I'm so as driven as Elon. Yeah, definitely. And I, I tell you what, I've definitely got the intelligence. Right at the end of June, what was June the thirtieth? Something that Brian May was involved in. Oh, Asteroid Day. I went to a really good talk on, uh, uh, on Asteroid Day at the, at the British Interplanetary Society. Yeah. How much material from outer space do you think lands on the Earth every day? Ooh, in weight? Or? In weight, in weight. Well, what, what, other, what other unit could I have given Oh, you? I don't know. I'd say Feels. half a tonne. Half a tonne? 140 tonnes. What? I, I, I find that baffling. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? And what are the, what's this What's this made up of? Asteroids and... Yeah, what? just little bits of dust, mainly. And Imagine course, the size mo- of the hoover needed for that well, dust. Well, yeah, I mean, most of it luckily sort of burns up in the atmosphere... But some of it gets down to the ground, little tiny bits of it, and sometimes it hits people. And yeah, so I wonder how many injuries every every year. Yeah, well, that, that, there's very few. I don't think there's any confirmed oh, deaths, that. you know. And really? Yeah, and don't, uh, say, don't commentate as curse. Touch wood. Whoa! Touch wood. There was a brilliant one about this woman who whose car got hit by one, like a great big, <laughs> massive yeah. one like that, like the size of a, a bread bin. Hmm. It went straight through the boot of her car. Oh, she all right? Well, yeah, because the car was worth about a thousand quid, and then suddenly it was worth twelve thousand quid yeah, because it was, it was like, was. Uh, yeah. uh, and these things are worth, you know, they're worth quite a bit of money as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Meteorites. Suddenly it was her space rock. So. Yeah, so the asteroid belt is full of millions and millions of these objects. Uh, And one of the really exciting ones, of course, is uh, Ceres, Mm. Uh, uh, which Dawn is at Ceres at the moment. So Dawn is in orbit around Ceres. It already visited the second largest object in the asteroid belt, Uh which is Vesta. Now, a lot of people don't consider Ceres an asteroid because it's managed to become round under its own gravity. Mm. Whereas Vesta isn't that big, yeah. so it hasn't managed to do that. So Ceres, so Dawn is now currently orbiting Ceres, and I've done for just a little bit over a year, I think, mm. and it's doing some absolutely radical uh, science. When you say radical, do you mean that in the kind of street term, like the way that youths would say "sick"? Yeah, ah. it's like radical, right. proper, seriously good science. Obviously, this beautiful spaceship Dawn has gone round Vesta, stayed there for a bit, hmm. used its ion engines to uh, nip over to Ceres and get into orbit there. Hmm. But it's running out of hydrazine, and by the by the July the 12th, I think it was, it had to make a decision about whether they were going to try and send it past another object in the hmm. asteroid belt yeah. to have a look at it. But it wouldn't have had enough fuel to get into orbit. It's kind of used it all up now. Yeah. But NASA have decided to keep Dawn in orbit round Ceres. And, and do more looking at it. Awesome. Which is awesome. I mean, that that, that little white patch in in the in the, in the crater in series that you first saw as it was getting close. Yeah. 
is still fascinating. It's yeah. still chucking up some massive surprises about what it actually is, these salts that have come up to the surface. And yeah. there might even be like a sort of a, a, a watery surface underneath, something that's completely surprised everyone. So wow. it's really amazing science. So Dawn is like a proper brilliant... It's a perfect example of, of a, 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 um, a mission that's gone incredibly well. Awesome. Long may it continue. Yeah, like the Rosetta mission as well. Absolutely. But, but which was brilliant, which is yeah, and yeah. still remains to be brilliant. And of course, where we heard that Rosetta by the end of September is going to is going to land on the comet. Yeah. And go to sleep. Ne- near Philae. Night, night. Go to sleep. Hey Matt, I know one thing we haven't touched upon. What's coming up at the BIS? No, one thing that's coming up is the BIS space conference at Charterhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, which is in Godalming in Surrey, just outside Guildford, if you don't know that. Beautiful, beautiful building. And uh, that runs from the 21st to the 23rd of July, this month. Uh, So you should definitely get yourself down there, because reaction engines are going to be there. And we've mentioned them before, the the makers of Skylon and Sabre engines. Yes. So, you know, it is your chance to go and have a a quick look. If people want to go down to that, how do they go about it? Uh, they can go to the bis-space.com and uh, book in. Uh, there's accommodation, there's meals, and you can choose which days you're going to attend and which. Awesome. So it's. Can we uh, go? Uh, yeah, I think we should. Yeah. Um, uh, what what we should do is go and maybe try and do some interviews. I'd love that. Let's do it. Let's take our let's take our little dictaphone. That's it. We're job done. Uh, so there'll be Lord Willits, yeah, uh, the, uh, the Minister for Space. Uh, there'll be quite a few people from Surrey Satellites and Skylark and talks on interstellar travel uh, Phil A, Beagle 2 head of the Johnson Space Flight Centre George Abbey will be there speaking about the Apollo Soyuz link up so it, it's wow. some pretty some pretty um, impressive yeah, that's things that's a strong lineup. Uh, uh, yeah, and Alan Bond himself, with a personal recollection of amateur rocketry, rocketry in the UK, will be also there. So it's it's a real it basically if you're into space flight uh, and British space flight, then uh, it is the place to be. Be there, be there, or be, or be square. square. And of course, uh, you might get to meet Jamie Franklin or Matthew Russell. Or Matthew Russell. What a dream come true! Here we go. So I was walking through Tesco's. Is this a joke? No, no, this is okay. really true. This is one of my best things ever. So I was walking through Tesco's, and what should catch my eye on the bookshelf was Brian Blessed's autobiography. Here we go. Called A Blessed Life. Brilliant title. Quality. So I pick it up and I start flicking through, and this is no joke. I flick through to a page, and there it says, and this is genuinely, it says. George Lucas was so impressed that I was a member of the British Interplanetary Society that he gave me a role in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, it was so weird. It's just the wow. page literally fell open on that page. How odd is that? God's alive! God is alive! If so, yeah. you can do a better impression than that, please send it in. So uh, both George Lucas and Brian Blessed are fans of the, of the BIS. Um... Uh, and also, I uh, discovered a little nugget. Here we go. One of the very earliest uses of the word astronaut was. in non-fiction was by a chap called Eric Frank Russell. Possibly a, a, a relative. Of our names. Yeah. Here we go. 
But it was in the November 1934 Bulletin of the British Interplanetary Society. Whoa. Whoa. So Are uh, we living in a parallel... Maybe. But no, I think this is just another hint that somehow this is a computer simulation. Oh. Uh, they, they, Again. Keep, they keep putting all these little hints in and oh. we're just not taking them okay let me start off by saying Matthew in your opinion what are the two greatest synthesizers ever made the Juno and Jupiter yeah I'd definitely say the same and that leads us nicely <laughs> <laughs> what a link do you know what's been happening so near Ju- Jupiter oh my god so Juno has travelled something like 1.7 billion 1.7 billion miles and or something like that and it's taken five years and it arrived within one second of the, of, it, of the plan that is quite unbelievable yeah you know, often often when I've got my tom tom on and I mm-hmm. and I leave to go down to Cornwall yeah. it gives me a time mm. and often when I get there it's within like ten minutes I'm mm. always pretty impressed. But a second. But a second after five Earth years. to Jupiter. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? So it's now in Jupiter's orbit. It's it, yes, and but its orbit is a, is a highly elliptical one. So it's a kind of smash and grab type affair. Lots of radiation. Jupiter's radiation is massively intense, and not only that, Jupiter does actually have a ring system as well that you can't mm. see, but it does have one. So Juno had to fly in and fly back out again. So I'm assuming it was made of pretty tough stuff. It's made of tough stuff, but really it's to do with the fact that it's got this highly elliptical orbit, which means it just goes in for very briefly and comes back out again. So the first insertion orbit, um, which required a burning of the Moog engine built in Westcott, UK. Oh, you had to mention Moog, didn't you? I did. The Moog... Well... It's pronounced Moog, I think, whereas the synthesizer manufacturer is pronounced Moog. Very interesting. Yeah. So one of these uh, NASA engineers said this is the hardest thing NASA has ever done. Wow. Instantly someone did jump on that tweet and say, that is the ridiculous statement. Mm. And I kind of agree with it, but I, I think any superlative statement is a bit silly yeah and uh, 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 but it all it does say is that what, what how hard it was mm. it, it basically Juno performed perfectly and so it, it went in it started to spin uh, it, it span up to stabilize itself so that it didn't wobble mm. on this crazy bit of maneuvering that it had to do yeah and now it's in this massive orbit so it's going to I, I can't remember how many times it's going to do it and how many over how many months yeah but yeah, this it, Juno's going to be in a kind of he's going to do lots of these flybys and try and grab as much science info as it can and peer underneath the clouds. Absolutely, and one of its um, one of its goals is to find out what's in the core of Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, what do you think's in there, Matt? Marmite. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We'll definitely talk more about Juno next month because yeah, well, one, one so of much the, more will have happened well one of the things this, this this insertion orbit was so difficult that they switched all the power had to be dedicated to the manoeuvre itself yeah. so that solar panels were pointed away from the sun and, and it's gone in and it's done this manoeuvre so it actually none of its other systems were on so it didn't grab any new information yeah. in fact a really good shot actually is as the Juno is approaching 
Jupiter. Hmm. It's taken a very, very good kind of family portrait of Jupiter and three of its moons actually orbiting. Nice. And so that's it's it's a brilliant, brilliant shot. It might be a first actually of of, of Jupiter's uh, actual film of Jupiter's moons orbiting. Lovely. And it's really nice little shot. But then that got switched off as it kind of approached. Yeah. Because they needed to concentrate everything on on this on this manoeuvre. Um, Another thing that happened was uh, Russian Deputy PM demands speed up of Vostochny. We spoke about this last time. Yes, we did. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, so everyone's a little bit scared. Uh, United Nations and Sierra Nevada have signed an agreement to collaborate on the Dream Chaser missions. Now, Dream mm-hmm. Chaser is um, Sierra Nevada's um, uh, space company's little uh, launch vehicle that now has been given the green light to sort of try and get people see now that's a good name for a rocket you can keep your yeah. dragons and your yeah, falcons dream chaser. dream chaser and of course again it looks like a sort of little mini space shuttle yeah but instead of being launched on the side or being its own kind of with its own propulsion system it will be in the fairing casing on the way up hmm. but then will come back down like a, like a shuttle oh another really big one actually was SLS yeah um, the uh, the space launch system we talked about earlier the orbital ATK have tested the big big booster which is the largest most powerful booster ever made yeah 3.6 million pounds of thrust this thing's got and it burnt 6 tonnes of propellant every second <laughs> I think Elon Musk and a uh, actually, sort of thinks the whole booster thing's silly. He can't. He, he thinks that it's a ridiculously antiquated piece of technology. Mm. Hence his. Um, of course he does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hence his Falcon Heavy doesn't have that kind of booster mm. strap-on booster kind of technology. Yeah. But solid fuel um, boosters do give you a big kick. Mm. Or six ton, three point six million pounds of thrust. Yeah. And the next time one of these things will be lit will be in 2018, when two of them will be either side of the SLS taking off. All right. It will be, that will be... I've, I'm almost tempted to get tickets to go and see that. If we're going to see a space rocket, let's go. Go, let's go see the big one. Yeah, definitely. Go big and or go home and... Uh, New Horizons that uh, famously flew past Pluto. Yes. A lot of the data is still obviously being streamed back on its of pathetically course. low bandwidth modem. Yeah. And uh, some of the some of dial the, up, isn't it? Dial up. Bit, well, probably slower than dial up. <laughs> and it's coming back. But one of the things that uh, looks like very very feasible is that Pluto has a, a subsurface ocean, which is totally amazingly surprising mm. so that Pluto again could have yet another body in the in the solar system that's got one of these oceans wow potential and of course well, where there's ocean where there's water there could be life absolutely oh, imagine if there was life on Pluto uh, Nicola Blackwood MP said the UK has so far only taken small steps towards launching a national space programme that would enable our innovative space and satellite industries to get the flight heritage they need. Now is the time to take a confident leap towards that goal. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, all, all that's to do with looking at where we're going to have our spaceport. My, my, fav, my favoured spaceport is down in Newquay. Whose isn't? Matt, can I just say, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thanks for doing the fourth one. Oh, this has been brilliant, Jamie. Thanks very much. Cheers. 
And we've been we've been round at Jamie's house today, don't Yeah. We? You're gonna cycle home now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm be careful that. And thanks very much for listening everyone. Now remember if you wanna send in any questions, yeah. it's Matt at interplanetary.org.uk. Absolutely. We'd like your space questions. We'd like your rocket questions. We'd like your Mars queries or questions. And uh, we've got some experts that we can consult down at the BIS. Mm-hmm. You know. And if there's anyone that you think we should talk to about any subject, let us know and we'll try and arrange it. Absolutely. That'd be fab. And also, don't forget to go to interplanetary.org.uk. And that's where all the links to our iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. We're literally all over the net. Yeah. Some people are calling us the best podcast in the world. Yeah, that's not just just science-based podcast, just podcast. When I say some people. So if you want to vote for us to be the greatest uh, podcast ever, Mm. then uh, you should vote for us at all the awards that podcasts go for. Yeah, I mean, come on, do your bit. It must be the National Podcast Awards. I mean, we're sitting here for you. The NPA. Week in, week out. At least you can do. So, bye, listeners. (laughs) Sorry, that was a bit aggressive. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Speak to you next week. Bye.